And it's time for the weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk. Episode number 39, recorded Friday, April 15th. Woo, it's tax day, sort of, not really. Hey, why are you being so negative? Why are you being so negative? Let's find out and do some Splunk Talk. Maverick, how are you? Hey, I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Good. You know, when I hear the Spunk Talk song, I want to put on a Devo hat and sort of. <laughs> yeah, I saw I mean... Devo. Did you see Devo recently? I saw Devo. No, I'm jealous, actually, because I, I bought their album as soon as it came out. I was part of their, uh, they did a whole uh, survey of customers to figure out which songs to put on the album, too. Really? Like, did, like, market research or something? Yeah, it seems so yeah. un-Devo. Yeah, it was so un-Devo. That's what they made. And they had a little reality show, too, with the guys at Warner Brothers and everything. And they were doing, like, a web web reality show. And I was following and everything. And, uh, and then it was ripped off. Uh, the airways because uh, I guess they, you know, in Devo fashion, they started criticizing the head of Warner Brothers and then the head of Warner Brothers saw the episode and said, we're cutting this. <laughs> so, he didn't like be, he didn't like being made fun of and ridiculed the way that only that, uh, uh, the you know, uh, what is it, Mother's Bow, Mark Mother's Bow can do. I'm you surprised know. that Devo just isn't on their own label. I mean, I'm sure they have their own label, but they use Warner Brothers for distribution. Who knows? I don't know, but I was jealous because I wanted to go to the show. I, and I found out they were in Dallas the day before. I just didn't know because I was thinking the only one I did. They announced was the Austin. I couldn't make it. But then I found out they were here in Dallas the day before. I was like, I could have went. So I was like really upset. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. I'm, I'm, I, and I wasn't a huge Devo fan, like really. You know, I knew a couple of their songs. But I'll tell you, man, those guys own it. They put on a good show regardless if you were a fan or not. You know, it's one big giant it's almost like one big giant performance art episode and it was good absolutely you know what we should do we should do the the long drawn out high technology focused babbling session called Splunk Talk you want to do that and make it a piece of art sure no actually just have a real episode where we talk about stuff related to Splunk oh okay well yeah that's fine we can do that too okay All right. hey Maverick it's so good to talk to you you're in Dallas Texas I'm in Dallas. Where are you at? I'm in Austin, and it's uh, awesome in Austin, at least. You know, I'm saying awesome way too much. I got to get off of that. I need a different word. Why? It's not like epic either. I need then a different say word. Epic. Say, say epic. Just say what it is. Say awesome. It's so epic. Oh, awesome. Awesome is way overrated. It's, it's so <laughs> overplayed. Maybe cool. I don't know. Work on that. I like some feedback on decent adjectives for to replace awesome. Maybe rad. <laughs> I could stunning. go. I could go with was rad. Eric, Eric Swans was stunning. I Eric think. Eric Swan, right? is that right? Hey, R- maybe R- we C- can get R- Eric Swan on the show next week. Eric oh, we Swan, totally co-founder. Yeah, you should totally get. Let's him see on. if I can wrangle that for everybody. He's probably too busy. Uh, I believe he has an assistant now. So uh, what? Yeah. The our CTO has assistant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, he's, he's that busy, really? Okay. Well, that's that's just on so unlike Eric to have an assistant. That's yeah. gotta be. That's gotta be because he's feeling all corporatey and everything. As we're growing up, as I a think he perhaps needs. I, actually, it may be the best thing for him to have an assistant to help manage his yeah. his life. Uh, does, does he still wear sandals, uh, or he never he really wore sandals, but he wears these skate, Well, he skates to work, skateboards at to work every day. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, <laughs> All right. You know, the title of this episode was Why Are You Being So Negative? I know. And why are you? Actually, that should have been the title for last week's episode. I think it was last week's that I was ranting and bitching about vendor log formats and other stuff. Yeah. But uh, it actually has nothing to do with ranting. Uh, the title. Well, well the truth negative. is you can't be creative when you're ranting. You just got to get it out. It's you not like you're creative. Yeah. I, you're right. You're right. You're, right. <laughs> you're talking to me. So what's up with negativity? What do you got? What are you thinking about? Well, well, because about? I think that some of the questions we've been getting lately have been have been kind of along the lines of how do I, you know, people trying to find things that are obscure in their data, right? Some of the searches that they're trying to figure out how to do. And so we call that we call it negative searching, right? That's, or at least that's what I learned from the government agencies I've worked with in the, the past. Government. The government, the, the government, government, U.S. government, they, that they own Splunk. A lot of, we know a lot of government agencies own Splunk. Um, they do. FBI, CIA. So they, what they, you're they saying is we they, really own Splunk. Yes, yeah, sort of. Yes. yes. Now, they, they won't tell us what they actually use it for because they, they have to kill us. Yeah, they'd have to kill us, but the uh, but but they, it is it is something that is a common practice to find those rare events or find those things that are not so common and what they call the negative of what they normally look for. So I just thought that was kind of a that's kind of a cool concept. And so how do you do that in Splunk, right? So like, what was the one question we had? One question uh, around that just recently about. Um, a bunch of error logs coming in or error messages that are everybody knows what they are like, yeah we're used to seeing those messages of that type but if suddenly i got a bunch of them out of nowhere came out of nowhere that were different than the normal messages i'd want to know about that so how do you how do you set up an alert or a search that you can turn into an alert in splunk that that will disregard the known things or the things that i'm i'm familiar with and and tell me when i'm getting a bunch of them of errors that are uh, not so uh, that I don't know about that I that I want to be alerted on those. One approach could be is using event types. Um, so let's say I had error messages or log messages that I expected. Um, and depending on the condition of your systems or you know how things work, you might expect certain errors. Uh, and if you don't see them, that's bad. Or mm-hmm. You know, if you don't actually get messages from certain machines or whatever. Or you have new machines that are spitting out errors you didn't expect. Shit! <sighs> or you have new machines that are spitting out errors you didn't expect. Whatever it is. Right. You can take the things that you know about and define them as an event type. An event type is uh, it's a classification of a pile of events. Well, how do you make this pile of events? You do it in a search. So you might be looking for, in your case, might be looking for error and class and com dot java dot whatever. Okay. So let's say these were the 50 things that you knew about that should happen. Yeah. Because if you have particularly chatty logs, you're going to see all that stuff you know about all the time. And it might be hard for you to find those few events in that pile of events that are not what you know about. So what you could do is define that, create an event type. So first do your search that finds the known events. Then go to actions and click the actions menu in the search app and click create event type. Of course, you can create an event type in manager as well, but I like to do it right from the search app. And then do a search 
for things that are not that event type. Okay, right. so let's say not event type equals stuff I know about. So yeah, you put capital N, capital O, capital T in front of the event type equals whatever that whatever you say. Correct. Does. Yeah, just yeah. the word not in all caps, which is a reserved word uh, in the Boolean search language. Realistically, though, you'd probably want to create a few event types because um, one might be for events you know about, one might be for events you care about. So you might want to look for, you know, events you care about, but also do not have the event type events you know about. Okay. Right. Right. Um, so you might find, um, you know, events you care about might be successes, and then events you don't know about actually might be these brand new errors. Okay. Um, event types are really powerful to that. And then also when you do a search, let's say you did a search on star, you would see the event type field show up for every single event that matched any event type. So it's really easy in there to see which percentage of them are of, you know, the particular event type you might want to do. And then, of course, you, you, you can go there and you can knock that thing out. You know, just alt click. So. Yeah, and look for the negative of that. That's, yeah. one, of, that's one approach for finding things that are... Yeah, and there's also, I think you can also do stats um, rare. You can look for rare um, and look for the, or ba or look for a count of something like based on event stats, like what you're doing, what you're saying, and then um, piping to searching or, or sort sort in a uh, descending, uh, I guess it would be descending, and then searching for uh, out of that set, the ones that are below five or two or something where they only get a few that are happening. If it was a particular field that you're trying to find where they're, it, they're, it's rarely that those fields are showing up or that there's only a few of those types of events that you're having on certain hosts. Like where, like in other words, maybe a good example I've seen before is I, all my hosts should be clustered and they should get the same amount of errors as much as the same amount of transactions or whatever. So I want to find the negative ones. I want to find the ones where a host is not trans, not executing enough transactions like the rest of them. So you might do it and search for, uh, use the, not Boolean, but in this case would be a conditional where the count is less than five. And just like we do when we're looking for something to alert on, if it's a security problem, you know, mm -hmm. uh, where I have a le greater than less than, I can do the same thing by looking for my events in general to see where it's not, I'm not seeing a bunch of those. And that's a very, it's, a, it's a sort of an, has a negative impact as a result too, right? So, um, well, the was, rare search command is, is also very useful. So, um, you know how you might t pipe something to top, right? Which will give you the most frequent events. You know, you, usually it's pipe it to top and a field name, right? Like top username. Okay. Um, but you can also pipe it to rare uh, and a field name uh, so that you can see the least frequent events in a stream, which is kind of a handy way because. Like I said, you might be cluttered with stuff that you know about that are really popular, but the things that are unpopular might be what you really are considering looking for. So. Right. And then and did someone asked me one time um, how to find something that was like different, differently formatted, right? Like I want to find one like that's again from the government agencies. They tend typically want they don't care about the the events that are formatted a certain way in a certain degree. Um, they want to find the ones that are different because it sometimes indicates from a security perspective indicates that someone is monkeying with something or uh, trying to get a hop on a device or you know they're trying to get access to a system and it causes that device to generate a an event that it normally under normal circumstances would never generate that type of event 
right? But if you don't know it, if it's buried in the sea of all these normal things, you wouldn't know it, how to look for it. And it may not be an error. It just may be just something that's just different because of that device kind of being hammered or being trying to be accessed. Um, so then you in that case, um, what is it? Um, you just punked. Punked, yes, right. punked. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, to look at the, uh, to give you the, because we Splunk looks at the punctuation, and in that case, you would look for the rare of the punked, right, to find the ones where oh, the punctuation, there's, there's only one, <laughs> right? I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to type in rare punked. You could probably do that, right? And then, a lot, and I'll it, bet you a lot of people don't know what, uh, other than, you know, the Ashton Kutcher show or whatever, what <laughs> punked is. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, and it seems like a weird thing to care about but events since events aren't written by humans i mean they're written by humans by a developer sometimes crappily um mm -hmm. writing out logs but a machine generates the logs so they're going to generate those events always always the same way um or at least programmatically they're going to generate them and right. uh the punctuation in splunk the events punctuation is a, becomes a field most people don't see it. It's in every field, but it's sort of hidden. It's like it's not a hidden field, but it just doesn't appear usually in a set of uh, other interesting fields because it would cloud yeah. it up. It would just you know. So you can and show that field. Yeah, that's that's what Splunk's doing. That for every single thing that comes back, it looks at the it factors out the alphanumeric characters and numbers and things or whatever and letters of things in the event and just looks at the spaces and the colons and semicolon that kind of thing to figure out the unique signature. So, so again, that, I thought I think that's kind of a cool thing to have if you especially if you're trying to find the negative of what you're normally looking for. And then I've asked, I also just on the same topic, I had someone asking me recently also about um, how to find and I think. I think you kind of explained it early on uh, with your event types, but they were maybe, or maybe there's a different way to do this, but um, how do I find the events that um, uh, don't write out a certain field, like it's just missing from an event, like it has all the other fields I want, but it's missing a certain field, probably due to a bad configuration on one of my, what, one of a hundred boxes that are our application servers that are generating these logs or, or events that are supposed to have like let's say 10 fields in it but one of them i suspect is is or i don't know i want to know if one of them is only writing nine of those no matter which one it's missing i need to find or maybe i need to know exactly which one in order to get the search right i don't know but how do i find the ones where in in in, in order to find the host that is not generating uh the events correctly how would i find that that negative of the set right well, like if you were not looking if you were looking at events for example that didn't have a field Right, because it's sure you can look for events that don't have a specific piece of text. Okay. Sure, sure. But let's say uh, maybe you're using a you're using like an F5 application security manager or load balancer, and sometimes um, depending on the request, there's just no value. A, an example, you know, while I was wasn't I think I was bitching about F5 last week. It wasn't really bitching. It was just sort of like recommending that they make their log format better. But um, when I was working with this customer, they um, application security manager is like an application firewall, and it, it'll pass when it passes traffic. That's fine, you know. There are requests that come across, but when there are attacks, it will classify it. Right. Okay. And the field that will hold the attack type is called violation or something like that. If there's no violation, then the field is going to be empty. Okay. So mm -hmm. if I wanted to find all events that didn't have a violation, 
I could uh, just do a search on that source type or that source and then say not violation equals quote star quote. So that'll say if it does not have or basically if any of the fields don't have or if any of the events don't have the field with a value in it uh, for the field violations, then I would find all the ones that were successes. That's so, so a star, so we'll, we'll, let's make sure we're clear on this because I think some people don't realize this. Whenever you have a field name, equal sign, and in between double quotes, you put the value typically. If you put a star, Splunk will represent and kind of respect that star as a wild card mm -hmm. to say it has to have anything in there. I want to make sure that that's clear because, um, you know, the, the significant difference here when you say not that, then it will find the negative, right? It'll find it where it doesn't have. No, no, no. Can I do the opposite though? Can I say equals uh, double quote, double quote no. instead of not? Okay, because if it doesn't have a value, then it would probably be blank, right? It doesn't. Say, it's or, actually or null. doesn't. Can I exist. say null? Can I say equals null then, or something? Is well, you can't say equals null because null is nothing. Okay, and you can't say so. For example, if it was uh, username, if there was, if an event, or let's go back to my uh, ASM example, if mm -hmm. there's no value. I mean, the Splunk's not a database. It, its yeah. field structure is done at search time. So if there is no value for the field violations, the field just doesn't exist in the event. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, if one wanted to represent a null value for that field, there is a search command called fill null where you can, you know. Oh, okay. So you can just fill it in where it doesn't have it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it'll basically fill all empty fields with the value of null so that you actually have a field there but nothing in it. Yeah. Um, maybe it, maybe I've seen, maybe that's why I was thinking, no, I've seen that. Maybe in the apps, some of the apps people have made. Yeah, you can have a field, fill yeah. it with zero as well. But um, Yeah. Yeah, you could do an eval command and do an if No, you can just do fill with null. a zero. If you pipe or it fill, to fill null, okay, it'll okay. fill it with zero. But one of the options for fill null is you can say value equals and caps the word null. So oh, it's I see. Actually, okay. a null. That's pretty cool. So then you could do then you could look for that too and find the ones over nulls or whatever. I guess. Yeah, so we also talked a couple weeks ago about the untable thing because in that case that was a very negative. Uh, the person That's was true. looking for negative occurrences. He was basically saying, "Don't." This is like episode number thirty-five, I think. Um, he was looking for anyone that hasn't visited his website this month. And in that case, it's a little different. Filling it with null wouldn't have worked. One would have needed to know that person's IP address to see if they didn't exist. So this time chart and piping it to untable was a way right. for us to, um, to, achieve that. to achieve that. So that was kind of an interesting uh, scenario that, that happened a while ago that, that we talked about as well. So, Yeah, so I'm just interested if anyone's listening uh, now to this recording or this uh, show, this podcast or whatever, um, if you've figured out another way to search for things that aren't in the data, <laughs> do a negative search, so to speak, to let us know. We'd love to, I'd love to know if there's any other new ways or cool ways you guys have figured out how to do this because I think it's more and more uh, something that Splunk could probably allow you to do that other technologies won't, right? So it's a good, it's handy to know more ways to do it and leverage it uh, for that capability. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, because, you know, the, the nice thing about Splunk is you don't have this fixed structure on the back end and you have this very flexible way to ask questions that are represent information. And right. people, 
come up with the craziest things and not they're crazy but they're just like it's bl mind blows my mind away how sometimes people solve problems in Splunk where it's like it didn't seem possible at first so very cool um Splunk.com slash page slash events has stuff that's coming up as a as a reminder there's a couple things that happen I guess I'll go talk about what happened last night um on splunk.com but today or uh, forthcoming events um there's stuff there are splunk lives going on right now all over the country and over the next couple of months so you know want to check that uh if you happen to be uh you know around the world the splunk live events are cool because you get free grub and you get to listen to customers talk and and uh, it's local usually local in your town which is cool so you can meet some splunk people and all that and uh there is, but there's a call for papers going on right now for the Splunk user conference, and that is due on the 31st of May. So if you listen to this later on this year, you'll be like, that's past now. But um, if you just go to our website, there's a section under, uh, on, that, on that events page that's actually listed as the call, the, when the deadline for call for papers is due. If you'd like to submit something, if you'd like to teach a class, um, you know, the conferences, sure, we can teach a lot of cool things because we work at Splunk, but um, a lot of times people who participate in the community are good people to educate everybody on. So that's coming up uh, as well. And let's see what else is interesting other than Eric Swan maybe being on the show next week. Uh, VMworld, Oracle Open World, a bunch of stuff, and of course our uh, weekly web demo, which is always fun. <laughs> Okay. What did we learn this week? Um, I got something, but if you want to go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you go first. Okay, go so first. here's the thing. Um, all right, hold, stick with me here. Okay. I'm going to try to not make this too heady, okay? okay? This is a cool little tactic that I came up with on the phone for a customer yesterday. Okay. Customer says to me, dude, where's my car? No. Customer <laughs> says... You know, I I have my Splunk server running. It's all cool and sexy and running and happy and just hums like a cat. Okay, but I chose to take VMware's ESXi server and stream its syslog over, and it totally blew out my license. It went out of control. It spits out all this crap. So oh they started God. asking me like, how do I filter that out? And I, and I said, well, yeah, you could do the whole null queue thing, but before you do that. I mean, you've basically just overloaded your production Splunk server with a bunch of crap that you don't need. Never mind that you just also stored that on disk. Yeah. But, you know, so there, one of the approaches we've taken in the past is like put, setting up a separate index. Okay. So you send everything to a separate index to kind of, in a way, sort of audition. Like, like, like test index or something. Yeah, maybe a test index. And if you like the data, that's cool. And And sometimes people do that for... Uh, line breaking and testing it out. But the problem in that case is if I create a test index, I'm still going to incur this massive flood of data coming into my Splunk server. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And potentially, yeah. if I'm not paying attention to that, after five days, I'm going to get locked out because there's some license restrictions. You can't index over the limit five days in a 30-day period or whatever it is. So, so I thought... Can, yeah, so what can, what can you do? What can, what you, can do you do? About? So here's what one might do. This okay. is a feature of 4.2. If you're not on 4.2, you should strongly consider upgrading it because it's badass. 
Okay. Um, in Splunk 4.2, there's a license manager. Okay, it's a real sort of hardcore app and technology we put in there. And again, I've stressed on how boring this concept is. But this might give you an, a way to sort of be a lot more flexible. So in this case, I got a 10 gigabyte license that I bought from Splunk. It's in, you put it in Splunk 4.2 or it's already in there, it's in a stack, okay? You can stack licenses up by a 10 gig today, a 5 gig today, and 50 terabytes the next day. And you've got right. this big stack of licenses. Right. Then you can take and create what are called pools. You probably already have one pool that's like the enterprise license pool and it's your whole license. But in this case, and I talked about this like last week or the week before about like creating a 10 megabyte pool for some customer. This was on uh, two episodes ago. But um, what I told oh. these guys, I said, set up another Splunk server. Sometimes that means on the same machine. Yes, you can run Splunk servers on the same machine, two or three of them. It's no problem. Okay, It's just a process. Or you put it on another VM instance. Go to your main Splunk server. It's, it becomes the license master. Take and put a, a, a pool, let's say, from that 10 gigs. Create a pool that's one gigabyte. Maybe you call this the VMware testing pool. Oh, okay. okay. I see what you're doing. You yeah, allocate yeah. the rest of your license, that nine gigs, to your production indexer so it can be happy and do its thing like it normally does. Yeah. Then on that secondary Splunk server, you make it a slave. That's just the term that it's used. You make it a slave of that license master so you can say... I am now, you know, reporting into the main indexer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But in that one gigabyte pool that you create on your Splunk uh, license master, you allocate it to the indexer VMware. Maybe call it VMware test indexer. Then you go over to the VMware test indexer and you shoot all that ESXi crap at it. It's streaming it. Now, a distributed yeah. search lets you search over all of that, and that's cool. We all know that. But if you go over your license on that pool, it's not going to affect the overall master license, okay? So you'll still have that nine gigs allocated to your production Splunk server, and you'll be cool. You will never have to risk your Splunk server becoming unavailable because some data source went crazy or you let somebody stream their syslog to your server and it just freaked things out. So I... The term I came up with is auditioning. So it lets you audition a new data source in a oh, completely cool. separate environment, but you still get all the enterprise features of Splunk license. So that's something to think about using that license pooling to chop it up for different purposes or even for different groups. That was something I kind of learned or figured out based on a customer's question yesterday. So That's very, very cool. I, I never thought about it like that. But yeah, I mean, like in the early uh, 4.1x.x versions, you, with the license pool idea wasn't there, so you'd have to have it done by support or whatever, and it exactly. would be permanent. In this case, you could just do it on the fly, yeah. and then you could put it back in the pool and make have your full amount yeah. when you're done after you're done auditioning. I like the auditioning, so that you should you should trademark that. That's pretty cool. I don't think I can. I mean, what other products do you have where you can audition your data? You know, like, um, let me see what you got. Let's just say the lines on the paper, and we'll see if you fit the part. I mean, that's kind of what you're doing, right? So, yeah, yeah. That's, pr that's pretty. Yeah, a product called Adobe Audition, so, you know. 
you got the little syslog event up there going, all right, well, you know, I can tell you, like, what's going on with and your devices. And then you go next. Like, this is the data next. comes in, and you're like, I don't like it. Next. next. Get on to the next event. And it's like, don't call us. We'll call you. Right? I'm an F5 event. I'm kind of crazy out there. I'm kind of like all these different things. I don't know what I am. All right. No, you're too improvisational. Next. You know. Next. Uh, <laughs> That's what I learned this week. <laughs> That's very, very cool. So so uh, I'll tell you something I learned this week. Um this is actually pretty cool. Uh, we have a cascade. We have a cascade in our uh, in our language. I didn't know this. Um, goes with the eval command, eval cascade. So the way I figured this out or learned about this was a thread we had internally where someone was trying to figure out. Um, <laughs> uh, they had to, they wanted to figure out uh, certain codes, certain feel a field with certain codes in it that have to happen in a certain sequence. Like there is separate and separate and single okay, end events. This is gonna be way heady. So slow down, slow real down. Easy, real easy, I'll make it really okay, easy. Okay, make it real easy, because this, is, a, a this is cool. It's very, very cool. It took me a little while to understand this. Okay, so real easy. I have a field that's happening in some single end events. Okay, just imagine that, right? Um, and a code uh, the, is the field name code, and it has a code one, code two, code three, different things like one through ten. Because what, what do you really want to find out? What you really want well, to find out, from what I understand, is if something happens, like let's say an error code, that it's followed by yeah, another, X, Y, yeah, a yeah. particular sequence, right? Yeah, it's a sequence. So it's basically okay. if I see a code one followed by some events uh, code that have code two in them and I see exactly eight of those somewhere along the way, oh, okay. right? Right, and then I sit followed by a code three, and then a code one again, and then a three in a row of code four. You know, in other words, they're all mixed together like a log files are. But I'm looking for a pattern where thing, code numbers have to appear in exactly that order, okay. or they don't qualify for a yes or no as far as do I have that code sequence or not in the event. And and actually, actually, it was for um, this was for. Interest, interestingly enough, um, the real use case was for missile launching, um, <laughs> missile launching uh, data. That's awesome. So, yeah. So, so what you do is you search for all of the uh, the code equals whatever the code ones you're looking for one or two or three. You just do ors between them to get back the results first that you want. Okay. So that makes sense. Get only those so you filter out everything else you don't need except the ones with code equals one, code equals two, whatever. All those or together. Then you pipe the stats and you list those out, right? Because the stats list will list them one it, after another. It, it lists them all one after the other. And then you pipe to a, a multi-value join command, which is an eval multi-value join, which says basically create a join of all those things together. Right, you're creating a single field, field. out of... The values of other fields, right? Right, right. With a with a. Uh, uh, so when you do stats list, you're going to end up with these chunked events, but each of those events will have appear to have a multi-value field where you'll see code equals one, code equals two, code equals three, right. all as a and, part of that listed right. event. And when you do the multi-value join, which is called MV join, mm -hmm. so you, you do it, it, you can specify the delimiter. So in this case, you would put a space to right. delimit it, and then you pipe to eval cascade, and the cascade ends up. Actually, it's not really a command. I'll well, just cascade make, is just like the. It's it's a variable. I'm just making that up. I was I was trying to make it interesting. But before for you do eval, what will your multi? What will your new field be? Your new field, like you'll call it a code sequence. What will it look like? One space, two space, three, for example? Yeah, like okay. that. Right, right, right. And then, and yeah, so anyway, the cascade, I was, like I said, I was just kind of teasing you guys. So it really what it is is I want to get everything uh, basically matching. I do an if match 
on a regular expression on that one field. And then I can put my regular expression to look for it in exactly the order that I want. And then the match command will give me back um, the, uh, the true or the false that oh, I'm looking nice. for. And that's it. And so it's basically turning into a regex and then you uh, or a field that you can do a regex on like any other field or any other piece of text. That's badass. But it's totally bad. It's totally badass. And so I'm totally wanting to like try this on some other of my data to see if I can like, and I'm, you know, because I have ideas in my head of, of things that I want to uh, look for a certain you sequence. Could do that. Couldn't you do that for like security for like failed logins followed totally. by successful logins? That might be a cool example of that. I think it actually be too easy actually, but um, but yeah, that's exactly right. Or just looking for certain patterns maybe of how people when, whenever you do find a brute force or you find, maybe to look at the patterns and understand if there's certain sequences that you have hunches about and you make the regular expression to, to express the hunches that you, know, you think. You know, what's interesting, I was thinking about that is to, find, to figure out the pattern. So let's say you did, if you had failed logins that were occurring across multiple servers, what you might do is do stats list and then MV join that stuff. And you'd end up having like the lists of servers in the order at which people connected. So you'd see, you yeah. might end up seeing some patterns and first they're going here. Most of them go here, 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 and here. And some of them go to the beginning server and then a few more after that. It's kind yeah. of so yeah, so the idea was like you might use that to uh, the the there's this, this this particular technique to figure out the pattern for today, and then say use the regular expression. Then at the end with this match command, right? If match command and the match then matches the 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 field with your regular expression, you use that to maybe say look at last week's or last months and see right. if the pattern was the same. Dude, that's what I'm saying. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> That's Maverick's and official. We learned something awesome by Maverick song. <laughs> that, and so, what did I learn this week? Uh, I learned stuff from Maverick during the "What did I learn this week?" segment. <laughs> That's self-referential. <laughs> Which. <laughs> <laughs> all right i think it's all right I, th go. I gotta go i gotta go to the bathroom man so uh, i gotta, and gotta my stop contact lenses are sort of getting whacked out right <laughs> now so um i think it's the uh, as a reminder <laughs> email splunk talk at splunk.com for questions q a answers uh feedback uh making fun of us whatever um, whatever thanks yeah. for hanging out with us for episode number 39 episode maybe we'll have a birthday party for episode number 40 I kind of can't wait till we get to episode number 52 because that means it's been a entire year's worth of weeks of Splunk Talk. But anyways. Ooh, ooh 42. We got to do one for 42, special. 42. One. I got to go back and look when the first Splunk Talk was done uh, to see that's because that's really the birthday of Splunk Talk. So we'll have to see what that is that's coming up and maybe have a maybe we'll have a giveaway or something like that. <laughs> anyways, as I was saying, uh, of course, email us. Maverick and I are so appreciative that you guys hang out with us. And, uh, you know, as we always say. What do we say at the uh, end? Happy splunking. Happy splunking. Y'all better watch out now. <laughs> because splunk is about to take over the world. One There we go. Save. <laughs> Stop.